collaboration is not just in organizing a meeting or developing a project together. It's almost like there is some psychology that goes into collaborating because you really need to anticipate the needs and desires of people. You might think that considering the needs and desires of people refers to those being served when organizations are doing the work to carry out their missions, from serving young people in after-school programs to the clients at food pantries. But the fact of the matter is that sometimes we collaborate in order to see our missions through. And in order to maintain the harmony necessary to do that, we must consider the needs of our collaboration partners too. Welcome to Natural Collisions, brought to you by COAC Detroit, conversations about the challenges and opportunities in the nonprofit sector, highlighting the voices in nonprofit work in Detroit and Southeast Michigan. I'm your host, Sharnay Sanders, Program Manager at COAC. COAC means to act or work together. We were founded on the idea that collaboration is one of the major keys to fostering a more resilient nonprofit community in Southeast Michigan. Today, we're going to talk with three people from disparate ends of the sector about partnering with each other and thinking differently about collaboration within their work. I'll let them introduce themselves. Kimberly Faison, Director of Community and Economic Development at Detroit Future City. We, you know, often call ourselves a think and do tank. Our research agenda, as well as programming that we test and pilot, convening that we conduct, and tools and services are all related to areas of economic equity and increasing the quality of life for Detroiters. Tim Jones Yelvington. Um, senior consultant um, with Foresight Design Initiative. We work primarily supporting other folks who are trying to have impact on, you know, challenging social and environmental issues. So we do that primarily through consulting services. Sonia Plata, and I work for Flagstar Bank, and I am the Flagstar Foundation so what don't I do, as most of us would say? So I am the lead person for all foundation activity. That's both external and working with um, potential applicants to receive monies from the foundation. I work with the foundation board members to present our recommendations and all of that management, all the grant management. When you hear the word collaboration, it may seem obvious what we're talking about. Working together, partnering, teaming up. But as Kimberly Faison put it earlier, it requires a lot more than we may immediately realize. In fact, Kimberly has worked with Tim to identify the best ways to account for everyone's needs in a collaboration. Here's more from her perspective. There's a lot of table setting, so to speak. And if you desire to be inclusive, and if you desire to hear voices of others, and if you desire to be challenged, you have to think deeply about how you set a table for that. And, you know, one thing that I think COACT for kind of bringing us together with Tim's organization is that they have helped us really 
challenge our own thinking about how to do those kinds of things. Collaboration was a word that we were throwing around a lot and working with a lot of people who were using in our work. Right? There are multiple ways that people work together um, or can work together, right? So there's cooperation, which is, I know what you're doing and we're kind of maybe going to divvy up the work uh, in a certain way and not step on each other's toes. There's coordination, but even before that, where it's just like, we're aware of each, what each other's doing and are kind of going to stay in our lanes. Um, and what's distinct about collaboration, and I think what some of, to me, and I think what some of what Kim said gets to this, is that you're actually more up in each other's stuff kind of right you're like co-creating something together more often or like really whether that's within an individual organization or across multiple organizations or like context you're doing something collective together that draws upon the strength of the different people participating that you wouldn't be doing if you weren't collaborating and i think that's really challenging and can also be really impactful. I think the reason we care about it is our organization is really focused on like systems change and trying to get more to like root causes of issues. And collaboration is one of the ways that we can more, um, more meaningfully kind of scale our approaches to like how, how complex these challenges and problems that we're working on are. I also really appreciated what Kim said about it having the psychological dimension, because I think, you know, part of that I think is like, is this piece around identification and belonging with the people that you're working with. I think what Kim said about setting the table kind of speaks to that, that I think when collaboration really is able to fuel itself more long-term beyond just individual tasks and projects, it's because people have started to identify a little more with each other in their work together beyond just a kind of like transactional thing. So I think for... Well, I think that there are different levels of collaboration. When you think about, is it one-on-one and internal with, you know, your colleagues and teammates, or is it, you know, in the sector, like for some of us, again, nonprofit to nonprofit, and really engaging in trying to solve for an end goal, and really think about impact in the larger context of impact. So I think I'll talk about the nonprofit specifically. I think that One, I think oftentimes what happens is nonprofits are asked to collaborate, but aren't giving the skill sets or rules or guidelines on what that really means. And so then then they're either just cooperating or they're coordinating. So I think that there are other ways or other levels of collaboration, but oftentimes it's not always clear on what funders and or what an organization is defining as part of that process. So I do think that one, understanding how we defined it and coming all to the same table to understand what does it really mean in my lens and from my experience, as well as it, what does it mean from, some, from the other party's lens and experience. So that's one for us. The other is, is I think collaboration takes time and takes trust. And oftentimes, again, oftentimes funders don't have time and don't necessarily, you know, they're wanting to get a project done. And I think organizations fall in the same vein. They're trying to get a project done and not necessarily one, because has it been told to them or because they're trying to solve for X. And so I do think that thinking about collaboration, again, happens over time and it's about building that trust and also the willingness to share more information than most people are used to sharing. Sometimes it's financials, sometimes it's budgets, sometimes it's donors, um, sometimes also the size of the 
organizations play out in different roles within a collaboration. When you have really large entities and you have smaller grassroots frontline entities that are more volunteer driven, then it's understanding how do how does that how does the work get aligned and or disseminated and who's taking responsibility. And so I think understanding those roles and then also understanding the capacity that each organization has as part of collaboration. And for us, you know, one of our biggest projects has been the Pontiac Funders Collaborative. You know, that's nine funders, both local and regional, all different sizes in the sense of, you know, revenue and assets. But we've all come together to really think about how do we work in the Pontiac community, make a difference in the Pontiac community with the Pontiac community. So it's not upon it, it's with the community. And so I think that's really what has been really positive about this collaboration. And it's taken us time, but we also did upfront research about what it was really going to take and to understand the community. And the community has had to understand us as well. You know, the challenge has been, it's been mainly virtual. You know, for the last two and a half years, we've been all, you know, on Zoom, WebEx, Teams, you know, all kinds of different platforms to get meetings done. And so there hasn't been that immediate or personal touch of getting to know people in a different, in a more casual environment. You know, the meetings happen, you get the meeting done, and then you're off camera or you're off that meeting and you're on to your next meeting or next task. So I do think that that's also impacted collaborations in a way that none of us could have expected. Um, but we have been able to move the needle. And I think that there are some exciting results as part of this process. We do a lot of convening as an organization. Um, so, you know, for the last few years, DFC has has been like the backbone organization for the Detroit Neighborhood Housing Compact. What I love about the compact is that it has a very clear focus in improving the single family housing system and thinking about housing quality, um, thinking about cost burden, and also thinking about increasing home ownership. So it's very clearly you know, define what its focus is. And what I also love about the compact is that it is cross-sector in nature. You know, I think a lot of times in the social sector, we often work very closely with folks that have a similar mission, who care about the same things. But I think we often go to organizations who are structured like we are. So I think there is tremendous value in working with organizations who don't operate the way that you do, who perhaps have to think about mission, but also have to think about profit or organizations that have to think about mission, but also, you know, are delivering resources in a way that is different than your particular sector. I think that we will not solve the problems that we're trying to solve for unless we are able to effectively work with folks who are different than us. And also, I think there are entities that we perceive to have power. And I think that that can sometimes be something that we shy away from. Perhaps there is power in policy. Perhaps there is power in resource allocation. Perhaps there is power in you know setting the rules, so to speak. And I think that Sometimes humans shy away from those entities that they believe to have power and, you know, whether it's a, you know, a reality or a perception, but we can't really make change and the outcomes that we want to see unless we find a way to have effective conversations with those entities, 
and also to tap into our own power in order to find leverage points and also to identify the win-win for the us and the them. I'm not suggesting by any means that the collaboration that we have done has solved any of that. But what I am suggesting is that I think we have conversations um, and learn from each other in a way that at least gets us closer to, you know, some middle ground. So that's one thing that I appreciate being able to witness is like the, the learning together around a common agenda and the exchange of ideas. And, you know, and I will also say I've learned from failure. You know, there's some collaboration <laughs> that we have, you know, that we have attempted to do and and it didn't have the outcomes that any of us wanted. You know, we still, I think we still respect each other tremendously. We still care about the thing and we're still committed to exchanging information and partnering where it's possible. But there was an example, I won't be too specific, but, you know, we sought out a collaboration and spent a lot of time together. We did research together. um, We exchanged ideas together. We did a lot of communications in all the places that we thought were appropriate to get to the end result. And, you know, the, the thing that we had designed just wasn't working for all parties involved. And, you know, we had to have some honest conversations about about that. So I think the fact that it didn't end the way we had hoped felt like a failure, but in all reality, we learned so much. And I think that, you know, the vision will still move forward. And eventually we probably will come back together in a different form. But, you know, when you get really attached to a particular outcome, it hurts when when you don't achieve it. But the lessons can be just as beautiful if you allow them to be. Kimberly, Tim, and Sonia are all about collaborating. And they work together in various capacities, too. But as I mentioned before, they come at it from different perspectives. This is what we love about how people collide at COACT. Who knows when or if they would have come together otherwise? You might remember that a part of Sonia's role at Flagstar Bank is her membership in the Pontiac Funders Collaborative. We wanted to know what specific collaborative practices happen between funders and investors, a group that you don't normally hear about partnering up. For Flagstar, we had been making investments since we're in the backyard of Pontiac. And so we really felt that, you know, being good neighbors we need, and a community bank, we needed to be involved. So our initial investment in Pontiac was $10 million. It included financial literacy and programmatic, but then also services around housing through our CRA and other products. And so when we started that in- initiative, we then were also then having conversations with Southeastern, with the Community Foundation for Southeastern Michigan. And so that led then to having other conversations. And so I think the way, as anything happens, it's by conversations. It's again, sharing each other's work it's sharing what is happening. And then also, you know, some of the funders that are now at the table had not had an interest in Pontiac or really weren't sure how to enter and support the Pontiac community. And so I do think that that having already a funder in that work and there allowed for others to come in and to be part of this work that we're doing together. And so I think that 
you know, you follow when there are good things happening and you follow as you're learning as well. And so we also learned that we needed to do more research about what all of us were doing, what were we all funding, what were our priorities, what were organizations that we had a relationship with, you know, that historical information. And that took about two years, you know, so again, you know, things, collaborations and or coming together takes time. And often we're just really impatient. Um, and as Kimberly said, I think that coming together is the initial the learning that happens all the way along doesn't always might not get us to the end or to the result that we intended, but the relationships that are built are really crucial. The way that now organizations in Pontiac have a relationship with some of these other funders and can go to them directly, that they can also come directly to the full collaborative. And so I think that that has allowed for growth, not only for the individual foundations to learn more about Pontiac, but then also to, you know, make investments and build relationships. And for us then to continue to think about, okay, so how do we all align? So if workforce readiness is our interest, or if um, entrepreneurship is our interest, how do we support that? And of course, you know, during COVID, entrepreneurship and committing to supporting small businesses and immediately was really key. So we went out and, you know, we have subcommittees for all our areas, which is capacity building, entrepreneurship, public spaces, workforce readiness, and then we have key institutions. So it's, it's an, and we've all come together to define these as part of the research that was done. So again, I think it's that patience. I think it's listening to each other. It's the opportunity to share information transparently about what the work is. And then as well is always be in tune to that community um, that you're trying to serve and bringing the community along with you. I think you said it well as well, Kimberly, it's having all of the sectors that are part of the community present. So there's large organizations, there's small organizations. We have the mayor's office, we have the, you know, school district. We also have the chamber plus the Pontiac, you know, um, Community Foundation. So there, and then we have Ascend and Centro Multicultural. We have also, you know, so again, you have all these entities that are very different in their work, but you also, but are also just really key to solving, you know, the challenges that the community faces. So we want to get to outcomes, but it's been challenging because there's just, what does that really mean? And how does that really translate into the community? And then how does it translate to the community in its cultural values and how it function and it works. And so we've had to take that step back and be mindful as funders that our way of thinking of things isn't always the best way for the community. And we've been fortunate that we have great leaders that are part of the both, you know, that feedback loop and then the individuals who are leading, which is the community foundation has the staff that are leading the work, which again, really brings us and pulls us all together. And there are other consultants that are part of this process as well. I'd love to say something about this relationship piece, because I think it's really important. And this gets back, I think, to something, Sonia, you were saying about the amount of time that collaboration takes and the lack of patience that there sometimes is for that um, in the funding community. And so I think something I'm really dogged about is learning to like claim enhanced relationships between people who are part of collaborative work, as well as enhanced capacity to collaborate, like what you were saying about how folks don't have the tools, building those tools and building that capacity, like really claiming those things as outcomes and not only seeing the impact, you know, the external impact of the work as an outcome, because those are changes um, in the way that we are able to do our work. And I also think 
the reason that we're not that good at those things or don't have those skills always and the reason there aren't you know stronger relationships has to do with some of the same systems that we're trying to shift in terms of the competition dynamics that come from being white supremacy and capitalist context and you know, we work with some collaboratives that are really explicit about seeing what they do as a decolonizing or repair work in terms of reconnecting communities that have had to deal with divide and conquer and things like that. In the Chicago region where we're situated in that history, and I know there's some, you know, plenty of similar dynamics in Detroit. And so I think part of that is also trying to develop some deeper evaluation approaches that look at things like, like how do we measure growth of trust or, um, right, or deepening a relationship and really give attention to that. Yeah, I really like what you said, Tim, about measuring all pieces because change is change. And change, I mean, and that moves incrementally. The other is I think that we have to acknowledge, as you've said, Kim, Kimberly, you know, the elephant in the room, which is power. And I think that we all bring some power to the room. You know, we have personal power, we have community power, and then, of course, with our entities. But it's acknowledging at what level is that and how comfortable am, am I calling it out? as well as acknowledging that when you have funders and you have the mayor and you have large institutions at the table, how do the other organizations feel and how do they feel like they're belonging and being included and how important it is to acknowledge everyone brings something to the table and has value because the problems are too big. Our problems are complex in communities based on the systems, based on, you know, all of what has happened, you know, and Tim, as you mentioned as well, you know, the colonizing, you know, the wealth gap, the capitalism, all of what, all the systems that have excluded us as communities of color in our work and in our, you know, and in, in, in achieving equity. And so I do think that naming it, acknowledging it, and then also continuing to bringing it up to continue to move the conversation so that we all are comfortable in understanding what each of us mean as when we say power or when we say equity or when we say, you know, capitalism or when we talk about disenfranchisement or marginalizing. In Southeast Michigan, the issues that we address in this sector are complex and the organizations, practices and people addressing them can vary immensely, even if they're all working on the same issue, like disenfranchisement or racial equity. So how do you decide who to work with? What criteria does an organization need to meet in order to go from being a potential partner to a vital collaborator? Earlier, I think Sonia had the question about whether we all have the same understanding of collaboration and, um, and what it means to collaborate. I think even before that, um, to me, there is a step of like why or like being clear around why we're collaborating and whether it's really necessary because it does take a lot of work and some of those other approaches to working together, the coordination or the cooperation may be sufficient and they're, they're totally fine, right? So making sure that that investment of, uh, of time and the stretch it's going to take is really necessary for what the ambitions or vision are. So one of the projects we worked on was to gather this group of leaders of different kind of multi-stakeholder or multi-sectoral collaboratives and do a, a year of um, like a kind of learning circle model. And one of the things that, um, that came out was a desire for like an onboarding or kind of memorandum of understanding process that incorporated more of the kind of the values piece of how people wanted to relate to each other in the collaborative 
a lot of the what's called like MOUs or memorandums of understanding that are out there just kind of focus on organizational roles and the really like kind of logistical and legal aspects and getting those on paper, which is super important. Yeah, I think so many times people come together because they care about the same thing. Because when you're in it, you just want to jump in. You're just like, time is of the essence because I'm seeing, you know, I'm seeing the outcomes. I'm seeing the suffering. I'm seeing the urgency. I like, I want to do something right now. But I think being grounded in those things really does have value in the long run. And I would agree. I think it's really important to have that grounding of purpose and somewhat of an end goal, but is understanding what are some of the first steps, especially when people don't have not worked together before or people have not come to the same, you know, have have seen themselves as competitors and not as, you know, solving the issue. And so I think the other is to really set ground rules as to how and roles and how people operate and that there is common agreement. I think the idea that you have a memorandum of understanding is really important and having something that we, you know, that everyone signs because then people are held accountable. We're all held accountable when there is, you know, documentation, when it's all talk and, you know, coming together, which is great and building relationship, but who's holding each you know, again, how do we hold each other accountable? And if we've signed something, then we've made a commitment in writing to a process, to a solution. And so I do think that having that tool is important. I also think it's trying to understand the community as well on how it operates before you even get to the memorandum of understanding or, you know, who's been invited, but who's missing. And how do we look at the room as to there's missing parties that are doing the work, but aren't necessarily the same size as some of the organizations in the room. Maybe they serve a different population. It's again, how do we do that assessment up front? And those are things that we've learned as part of our process, you know, through the Pontiac Funders Collaborative. With regard to coming together when you think that you might embark upon collaboration, you know, I think we often start with the people who we know have a mission alignment, um, who care about, you know, some of the same things. But I'm curious if you've ever had a situation where, you know, in the current role or in the past, where you knew that there might be an entity or a sector that might be important or even central to trying to solve a thing, but you don't know if they're mission aligned perhaps you're concerned about like a, you know, that power dynamic um, or what have you, like what it means to embark upon a potential collaboration or a potential partnership where you don't know if you're mission aligned, but you know that there is a connection point that should be made. I think it, I think it's important to think about the value that that group would bring to the table as well as even though there is not potentially mission alignment is one is engaging in a conversation with those parties that are already engaged in the collaboration. It's making the case is what I would say is how do you make the case for others to join and why and working through those dynamics um, within the collaborative 
the collaboration that already exists, but then also engaging that organization as well, because you can have the conversation, and it's almost like those conversations have to happen simultaneously, because you're having the conversation with those that are already part of the collaborative, but you also have to have the conversation with the organization, because one may say yes, and one may say no, or they both, both may say no, and then they both may say yes. So it's how do you manage, you know, all those dynamics, because I do think that if it's going to assist in solving, you know, the situation or crisis or getting to the outcome, they definitely should be at the table. Um, but sometimes I do think that, especially when they're larger organizations or organizations who've been really established, who've been getting all the resources, who everyone knows that they get all the resources, is having a real frank discussion about their their role as well as that this is not about them and their organization. It's about the work or the end goal. And then at the same time, being mindful of being really attentive. So when they start creeping out of their role is to call them on, call them on, you know, call them on it. And not necessarily in front of all everyone else, but is like, you know, making sure that there's a check-in, you know, more often. So I think that there's a lot more work when you're bringing someone in that is one a larger entity, an entity that is seen that it has more power, has gotten more resources, as well as because their mission might not quite literally, literally align, is I think that there's more work on our part to make sure that it's working for the collaborative and working for the end result. That's what I would think in my mind. But Tim? Yeah, I think this is one of the most fundamental tensions actually in this type of work um, that we should talk about a lot more than we do. I've been at tables where it comes, where we're having the like more conceptual conversation about collaboratives where it comes up um, and then we don't go a whole lot deeper in it. But I do think it's very much tied to the power conversation that we had earlier, which I didn't chime in on, but couldn't agree more with, with both of you about the need to be, have more frank assessment of our, the various kinds of power at these tables and how to leverage it and what kind of power isn't there that we need to have there to accomplish the goals. I think, um, I feel like there's maybe like a couple of approaches for navigating this that I've heard people talk about. So like one would be rather than have, rather than requiring full alignment or trying to get everyone participating around a, a like a completely shared set of, of like long-term values. What are the things that we are aligned around on and investing the energy there instead, right? maybe more outcomes driven. Um, I think the other thing is that there are different roles um, and this gets to, um, to some of the earlier conversation as well in the initial setup, but there's different, depending on the structure of a collaborative, there's different ways people can participate, right? And then I think the individual person sometimes also matters though too, if it's someone who's able to show up in a way that um, has integrity around, like here's the institution I represent, here's how I'll be in this space, here's how I can, um, you know, I think I've seen that with um, some city agency folks in, in our city where we know that if you go to like the city and are approaching them with an ask, it needs to really be on their terms in a certain way to get it implemented. Um, but, you know, I think there's folks that can represent those bodies and come up and, and be, be honest and open about that power conversation and participate fully as themselves while also holding the position they're coming from. And, um, you know, uh, so I think thinking about the individual and what they bring to it as well, maybe. Yeah, I would agree. And then what are the expectations? I don't oftentimes think that we really talk about expectations. Being really clear 
It's not only attending every meeting, it's then making sure that you're prepared for every meeting. It's making sure that you're, you know, that you've accomplished your task if you had a task. And if not, were you able to communicate that why you couldn't accomplish your task? I think that's also really important because a lot of people will do their work and then others will come to the meetings unprepared. And then it's then what happens is the individuals who have come prepared will say, well, I don't have to come prepared anymore because most of the people don't come prepared in the first place. So I think setting those, you know, real clear expectations um, and being respectful of all of that. And then also being able to mm-hmm. communicate when you can't meet that expectation. I think another thing about having those decision makers in the room is uh, you need to, and this is sort of a meeting design and facilitation thing, but demonstrate the value of participation for them early on with those meetings. Um, You always know that something has started to fail already if you get to like meeting three or four and they're always sending the proxy or like, it's like the interns showing up now, right? Nothing wrong with interns. They're wonderful. So, uh, you know, I think one of our pieces of advice always has been um, as much as we've we've been, think, I think, hammering on like setting up these foundational things. There's also, I think, a danger in making every meeting early on be about structure and governance and that people can tune out from. So we always tell folks, like, find some kind of immediate kind of low hanging fruit type of activity or action that people can begin taking immediately because doing things, I think, is in addition to relationship building as part of how the trust develops as well as like taking action together. Thank you to Tim Jones Yelvington, Senior Consultant at Foresight Design. You can learn more about his work at foresightdesign.org. Thank you to Kimberly Faison, Director of Community and Economic Development at Detroit Future City. Be sure to check out Kimberly's work at DetroitFutureCity.com. And many thanks to Sonia Plata, Foundation Director at Flagstar Bank. Learn more about her work at Flagstar.com. This has been Natural Collisions Podcast from Coact Detroit. Remember, the word Coact itself means to work together. Because we know we cannot have transformational impact if we only work alone. To learn more about our work, visit coacdetroit.org. Please subscribe to Natural Collisions on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll return with more conversations soon. Thank you for listening.